All right, we're back. Let's introduce Mr. JP Vijay Delwis. Yeah, so Vij, I could sit here and I could do a wonderful intro of you as I, I learned quite a bit about you last time, actually. But uh, for our listeners, how about you tell us ourselves? Who is JP Vijay? JP Vijay is an old has-been and a retired former hockey player. Grew <laughs> 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 up in a small town in Notre Dame de Lourdes, about an hour, 15 minutes west of Winnipeg. Small farming community. Grew up on a farm. Still have farming in the blood. I don't live on the farm. There's no business out there for an old hockey player like me. But really, uh, you know, love the game, play the game, and and go from there. You speak about identity. I know we talk about it a lot, and and we spoke on it last time. You identify yourself as a has-been, which you are not. I've seen you out there on the ice. You still got it. I've seen you. Um, (laughs) So tell me, if you're meeting somebody, let's say you're out coaching and you meet somebody, do you identify yourself still as a ex-hockey player or now are you a coach? More of a coach. I would define myself more of a skills coach. The difference I define between a skills coach and a coach, the coach is worried about line combinations, matchups, game inventory. I'm worried about skill development on the players and how that skill development relates into the coach's game and what skills we're going to use to help the coach have more success with his players. So I don't always look at the forecheck and the penalty kill. I'll look at the skills within those units, right? What identifies the players to have more success in certain situations and help them develop those skills to have them be more successful so the coach has more tools to use during the year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's flip back. So growing up, did you always have the dream of being a hockey player? Let's say four or five years old, you start skating like every Canadian kid. Did you dream of playing in the NHL or was there something else? I really, I'm going to date myself. There was no internet back then. So your dream of living in the NHL bubble was totally a dream. We watched Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday nights with dad, a bowl of chips, some popcorns, right? And so on. But it was cool. And that was miles and miles away. I was in my little bubble living in my little world, playing hockey. I remember my dad's first story. He said, I begged him to play hockey and I begged him to play hockey. He took me on the ice for my first skate i fell on my butt i cried i told my dad these skates are broken i don't want them anymore (laughs) and if you know my dad he's a stubborn man so i had said i wanted it so he pushed me to it and the rest was history fell in love with the game and a step-by-step approach i think ended up it's maybe a little naive in my eyes but was the easiest way for me to live in the moment I wasn't focused on getting to the WHL or the NHL. I was just playing in that moment and really enjoying that time. Growing up in a rural community, there are no tryouts. There is one team. You have some good players, some average players, some beginner players on the team as you, and your uh, obstacles right now through life with your kids. We went through that and just learn and play. And my first tryout happened when I was 16 years old. I went to AAA, the Pemina Valley Hawks, and I thought I had a pretty good camp but they cut me. So I ended up going to high school that year. And, and, and from there, hockey just became a year-by-year approach. We had a real good hockey team as a high school team. Three or four communities come together, had a real successful year as a team and individually. We didn't win the, the championship, but we put up some good things and did some good work. From there, Portage Terriers gave me a letter in the mail, and I thought, oh, this is going to be one of those cash grabs. I'm going to go. We're going to get our feet wet, and maybe junior is something we can do. And Marshall Kennedy and Bob Miller, who were the coaches and general manager at that time, I guess they saw something out of a five foot nine, 155 pound forward because they kept me. So I skipped the AAA route and went right to junior. 
And uh, that was a, a very trying, difficult year because at the time, there weren't too many five foot nine, 155 fourth liners in the MJHL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't expect there to be very many. Yeah, yeah. So that, it was it was a learning experience. I went to school in a French community. So I commuted every day because I couldn't be billeted in and go to full English school. I wouldn't have graduated my grade 12. My English wasn't good enough. So I commuted every year. And I believe in four or five months, I put just under 50,000 kilometers on my car. That's wow. six or seven days a week of traveling. It's 47 minutes from my parents' house to the hockey rink in Portage at the time, which is the old Centennial Arena. And that was done every day there and back six to seven days a week. So it was quite, quite the learning experience, quite the maturing. A lot of time on my own listening to the radio and trying to stay awake late at night. <laughs> that's an insane amount of mileage. Wow. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that's so let, let, let's talk about your parents growing up a little bit. I speak of your dad kind of pushing you when you were younger. I know we, we spoke about it a little bit. I, I think my dad was very similar, very hard. If you were going to be out there, you're going to work hard. I don't care how skilled you are, but you're going to be the hardest work. And I think we share that in common. Now, speak about your influence of your parents on you growing up and maybe talk to the parents that you see now maybe that are a little too involved or what's the best scenario yeah, to help your kid enjoy it? So my mom was pretty chill. She was pretty quiet. Really, she had been a figure skater for a little bit and skated rec rec recreationally. She didn't really play. She played softball and other sports, which she was good at. My dad didn't even put skates on. He, he could probably skate, but never played hockey. So basically it was one rule in my dad's eyes. You either work hard or you work hard. And if I don't feel you're working hard, I'm going to let you know. <laughs> and the good or the bad. Right? But I think if you look at it, the discipline that he taught me became the player who I ended up being. I wasn't always the most skilled. I wasn't always the most talented. But I knew I was going to work pretty darn hard and try and outcompete and outwill everybody on the ice. And that was one of my strengths growing up as a player is my determination and my battle. Uh, I can go back into as far as sometimes in a small town, your coach is probably one of your dad's buddies or, or so on, or someone he hangs out with. And at one time, I remember the coach is giving us a speech between periods and dad just walks in and totally jumps through the coach and gets right in my grill and says, I don't drive all this way for you to put this effort on the ice. He didn't quite use, <laughs> didn't quite use those words. I think it was a little bit more direct. <laughs> but, uh, I got the message pretty clear. So I think it's quite interesting. And now you go back now, that's 40 some years ago now. Spring forward 40 years and the message to the parents, boy, you know, there's a wide range of messages you give to parents, you know, from the parent is, who is overzealous and is overpassionate and overcares and almost engulfs the player to not be able to play because they're giving him so much information, so much feedback, and, and it's all out there, Live Barn and YouTube and TSN. None of that existed when, when I was a kid. After the hockey game, five minutes, you were done. You didn't have a clue what the score was, what it was. You were got that little ticket. You were going for your hot dog and French fries and your chocolate milk, and you were ready to rock for the day. So I think that's become different where it's very interesting. <clears throat> now, someone asked me this question actually yesterday, and the message I give to parents depends on the parents. Will I tell Wayne Gretzky to not give hockey advice to his kids? Meh. I think he's got it pretty figured out, right? He knows what he's doing. Do I tell a parent who maybe hasn't played as much or doesn't have the experience to play to step back? Maybe, depending on the situation and the player. So I really look on a case-by-case -case basis. Some parents are, are super intense and they're super excited, and sometimes that doesn't help their player. Their enthusiasm shies their player away because they feel the pressure. 
So I tell parents at a certain point, hockey doesn't give a fart who you are. You can buy the jerseys for the team. You can put gas in the bus. That does not earn you a shift, right? Hockey has to come from the player. So at one player, one point, pardon me, the player is the bus driver. If the player is not the bus driver, step back and let him enjoy the experience because that's not going to last for a long time. Mm -hmm. And and you see it all the time and you think it would be common sense, right? Where a parent really wants it. The kid's not as interested and they continue to push and continue to push. I, I see it on my team, obviously coaching in a rural area now where you have some kids that really want it. You have some kids that don't. What What's your message to those parents? I know you just answered it, but how do you allow the kid to take the reins and find their own game without you really guiding them? So I, I think as a skills guy, I'll talk to the, the player and we'll, we'll put a, an objective up. What, what are we looking for out of this? And he, he might say, you know what? I want to get in the dressing room after the game and I want to have a good laugh and I want to enjoy my time and feel good about myself. Some other players will be like, I need to win. I need to win. I need to win. Some players are like, eh, some days I want to win. Some days I want to play. So I think once you have that message from the player, you have to balance it with the parents. And you might go to a parent and say, had a real good conversation with your player. He really wants to be challenged. But I think the pressure you're putting on him might be a little too heavy. He's feeling snowballed over in a cave that he can't handle that pressure. Can we back away and encourage him to learn to love the game? On the other hand, a parent might say to me, you know what? I really agree with you. I don't even care if he plays anymore, but I want him to have a work ethic and and discipline and team sport, that camaraderie. So that's really what I'm looking for. So then we try to manage the balance between the players. And I think honesty with the parents and the players is very important. And I've seen it a lot where, you know, even from a coach, you've probably seen this, where your assistant coach comes to you and says, little Tommy wants to play center, right? Because that's mm-hmm. the best spot. He gets more puck touches. He can be everywhere. He mm-hmm. can't chance for more points. Tommy doesn't even want to get in on the forecheck. Little Tommy's <laughs> a D-man. He wants to be a D-man, and he's told you he wants to be a D-man. So balancing that act between player and parent is very important because the parent has a picture that they paint for themselves for their kid. And, and that's a very nice picture. Everyone, first line, center, power play, penalty kill. Of course. Not everyone's going to be that player. Someone's going to be the fourth line role player who plays six minutes a night, kills penalties, blocks shots with their face, and doesn't really get a point. So balancing that act and as they develop, guiding them into that is very important. <clears throat> Absolutely. That's a great answer. 